to shed his very own blood. Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, verse 27. And when Jesus, well, that already tells you enough that something exciting is about to happen. Amen. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. I want you to notice verse number 29 this morning for our text. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Sometimes uh, our perplexity about the situation becomes a problem because we get to worrying so much about all of the details and uh, that we miss the main point. And the miracles of Christ were never intended for our entertainment. They were intended to edify, to build us up. They are miracles with a message. And there's a main point to each and every miracle. And uh, I don't see any need to wonder about why these men were blind because it really doesn't matter. The point is they found what they needed in Christ. And that's my prayer for each and every person here this morning Before I get to the main part of the message, there are some details I want you to notice. First of all, I want you to notice that although these, uh, that Jesus knew these men were there, they're following him, he's very much aware of that, but he just kept on walking. Now, he knew their exact need. Uh, In fact, he could have told them their names. He knew their shoe size. He knew everything about them. And they were right there behind him and following him. And he never one time ever turned to them and said, I would love to help you today. He just kept walking as though somebody might think that he really didn't care. And that was a test of faith, no doubt, to see whether they were going to continue following him. And notice in verse 28, it was not until it says they came to him that he addressed the problem. There's a good lesson there for us that if we want God's help, we have to come to Jesus. We have to come to him. He's not going to run you down and hogtie you and force himself upon you. Secondly, I want you to notice that these men did not ask for an explanation as to why they were blind. That's what I think most of us would have done. 
You know, we would have said, well, look, Lord, I just don't understand this. I've never been able to see. It's not fair. Everybody else can see. The other one might have said, well, you know, I, I lost my sight and, uh, I, you know, I could see when I was a child and I know what I'm missing and it's just really not fair. I'd like an explanation as to why you allowed this to happen. I mean, if after all, if you're in control of the whole universe, surely you could have spared me this agony that I have of not being able to behold the beauty of your creation. You see, most of us would have had questions. Most of us would have had some complaints about it. And you know that's true because no doubt just about all of us are complaining about something right now that we don't understand you know, we, we, we can't comprehend why God would allow something bad to happen, you know, to, to, to good people. But uh, notice they, uh, they didn't ask any questions. They, they didn't even ask for some suggestions. They, they could have done that. They could have said, Lord, now you know very well that we're blind. We've never been able to see. Have you got any suggestions? Do you know a good doctor that you could recommend but they didn't they didn't even do that you see uh, they just followed Jesus and came to Jesus the third thing i want you to notice here is verse 27 notice that they're crying out for mercy not one of this said lord have you noticed the large amount of alms that we've given to others have you noticed the kindness that we've displayed to our neighbor? Not one of them appealed to their goodness. Not one of them indicated in any way whatsoever that they were deserving of being healed, but rather they're crying out for God to be merciful unto them. A lot of times we miss getting what we need because we think we deserve it. And if what God gives us is because of His grace that indicates we don't deserve it because grace is God's unmerited favor bestowed upon us. So we look at this miracle and, and uh, my, there are so many places that we could pitch our mental tent and just camp out there and talk about that. But this morning, I want you to focus on one little word. Notice the little word, it. According to your faith, be it unto you. I've preached a lot of sermons with one-word titles. I've even preached a sermon uh, with the title of a one-letter word. I preached a message entitled, Oh, Oh, that was, the, that was the title. But this has to be the second shortest title of any sermon I've ever preached, just two little letters, It. That's a word that we hear all of the time, don't we? It's a word, you know, that, uh, that we use every single day. We hear people say, I don't have it. Or somebody else will say, well, I don't understand it. Or somebody else will say, well, it's really got me down. Or it is too hard for me. Or I can't do it. And so that little word, it, can refer to a thousand and one different things, but Notice this morning that the word it is used in reference to a need. And, and, of course, that can be numerous things and different with everybody. It can be something that is big, something that is small, 
something major, something minor, something that is common or something that is rare. It can be something that is personal to us or it can be something that inclusive. Uh, it's whatever you need. According to your faith, be it unto you. They, they needed sight. And he said, according to your faith, be it. That is your sight was based upon that. So it involves any area of your life, wherever your need is. It might be physical. It might be emotional. It's what? The cripple is walking. It for the leper is cleansing. It for the madman is sanity. It for the thirsty is water. It for the hungry is bread. It for the dead is life. It for the sinner is forgiveness. It for the lost is salvation. So what is it with you this morning? Is your it something that's personal? Maybe something that nobody else even knows about. It's just, I mean, something contained within you. It is a personal matter, a personal need that you have in your life. Maybe it is something that is domestic. It's not just personal to you, but it's something that affects your family, you see, or your marriage. It might be something that is vocational. It has to do with the manner in which you earn your bread. It might be something that is social. It can be numerous other things, but whatever it is, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's able to provide it. Whatever it is, it doesn't make any difference, you see. We look at the nature of the problem when we ought to be looking at the, at the greatness of our God instead of the problem itself because with Him nothing is impossible. But that doesn't mean that it comes without means. God can do it. He promised that He could. Paul said, but my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. He said, you know, God is able, able to do exceeding abundant above all that we could ever ask or think. So God is able and He's given us promises that are conditional and other promises that are not conditional, just things that God said that He was going to do and He never fails to do those things. But so many times we expect God to provide it, whatever it is. We want Him to provide it, but we don't employ the proper means. And notice what Jesus said to these men. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. He didn't say, according to your works, be it unto you. You know, he could have said, now look, fellas, I realize that you have a real dilemma. I, you know, I'm so sorry that you're not able to see the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. I'm just so sorry that you've missed out on seeing the face of your loved ones. I'm so sorry, but I'll tell you what, I, you know, if you if you will keep following me, if you'll do some chores and help me out, and so on and so forth, could give me a whole list of things to do. But he he didn't say that, did he? He didn't say it's according to your works shall it be unto you. He didn't say according to your goodness it will be unto you. In other words, if you keep yourself morally pure, you know, if you'll remain clean, as it were, if you'll be good. You know, that'll be the means of you getting it. 
He did not say, according to your sincerity, be it unto you. You'd be surprised how many people base their eternal destiny on the matter of sincerity. There are people who tell you, well, it doesn't make any difference what you really believe as long as you're sincere. They say all religions are the same. It doesn't really make any difference. If a person is sincere, that's, that's all that really matters. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. It takes a whole lot more than sincerity. It takes truth. It takes truth. And when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, that rules out sincerity. There are a lot of people sincere about their religion, but they're going to miss heaven and make hell as a result of it, depending on that instead of the blood of Christ. So he didn't say, according to your sincerity. He didn't say, well, according to your zeal. He didn't say, according to your contributions. He didn't say, well, it's according to your effort. He didn't say, it's according to your positions. He didn't say, it's according to the connections that you have. If you got your, you know, if you really, if you know them, mayor that's going to help out you know if you got some political uh you know uh power uh, i'll be able to help you out didn't say it's according to your nationality if you're a jew i can help you he didn't say it's according to your religious affiliation if you're a baptist i can help you but if you're not a baptist well you're just out of luck buddy he didn't say anything about that you see You see, there are not many means of getting it. The one great necessity for getting it is what? It's faith. In other words, if our faith is weak, there will be a shortage. A shortage of whatever it is that we're talking about, you see. Because without faith, we'll have to do without it. And keep in mind, when I say it... I don't know what that is for you. It's for you, but I know you're going to have to do without it unless you've put your trust in the Lord, you see. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that God is willing to provide it? I, boy, I feel so sorry for those people that don't believe that. Those people do just live all of their life with a cloud of doubt hanging over their head. There are people that are knowledgeable of what the Bible says. They can quote one verse after another. They can answer all of the questions, but uh, they have no faith whatsoever. Woe is unto the person that refuses to trust Christ. And when I say trust Christ, I'm talking about a whole lot more than just trusting Him for the salvation of our soul. I'm talking about trusting Him for everything that we need in life. So, do you believe that God is able and willing to provide it this morning? If you don't, I'm sorry. But as much as I'd like to help you, I can't help you. Nobody else can. There's not a thing in the world that I can do other than what I'm doing right now, and that is to tell you how you can get it. And that's through the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. Your lack of faith, number one, it deprives you. That's a horrible thought. Because whenever you think about how important it is in your life, to think about being deprived of that, How sad that is. It doesn't have to be that way. 
You could have it, but you don't. You deprive yourself, but not only that, you dishonor God when you refuse to trust Him for it. Because you're saying, in essence, He's not really trustworthy. He's not somebody you can really depend upon. It'd just be nonsense for me to trust Him to do something like that, you see. But Jesus says, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, there's two things about this I want you to notice. First of all, this is a word of assurance. Notice the little word be. You might want to underline that in your Bible. According to your faith, be it unto you. That's a word of certainty. In other words, this is a promise. He didn't say, according to your faith, it might be unto you. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. It's a promise. It's a promise from one who cannot lie. It's a promise from one who has never failed. It's a promise from one who has all power in heaven and earth. The promise of one who has proven himself over and over and over again that he is trustworthy. I don't know how much more evidence you want to put your trust in Him. He's proven Himself. Why in the world would we doubt one that has such a proven record as the Lord Jesus Christ? I have more reason to believe that it will come than I do to believe that the sun will come up in the morning. This is a word of assurance. According to your faith, be it. But notice not only a word of assurance... It's a word of availability. Notice the word you. According to your faith, be it unto you. That speaks about the possibilities of this promise. That's something that could be applied not only to them, but to you or whoever, regardless of who you are. This is applied to all believers. According to your faith, whoever it is that believes, be it unto you. Does make a difference whether you're rich or poor. He didn't say if you're, you know, if you're learned or illiterate, if you're black, you're white, you're a beggar, you're a banker, or anything else. According to your faith, be it unto you. You may have been incarcerated for the last ten years for some terrible crime that you did. I mean, you know, you could just look at your record and whatever it is, how horrible it is, and all of your sins against God doesn't make any difference when it comes down to the matter of you trusting God according to your faith, be it record. Can it really be? I mean, something that is so serious and yet something that is so simple. And indeed, it can be because we have God's promise. And having His promise ought to give us perfect peace in our heart rather than we, you know, sit around and wring our hands and fret about what the problem is. We Look, we don't have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I was so I was so sad to get the... The news from Scott Marion that uh, one of our one of our young men in the Tascosita Fire Department was killed in a head-on collision yesterday. How heartbreaking that is! I mean, who in the world would ever suspect that something like that 
would happen. Look, there are those of you that are, you know, in your mind, Brother Scott and I was talking a while ago, we was talking about the fact, you know, uh, waiting another kidney now, the other one was rejected. And so in one sense of the word, he's, you know, living on the brink all of the time. I mean, he's doing great, you know, and in a lot of ways has a great attitude and so forth and going through dialysis and even said he's really feeling good. And that's all wonderful, but I know the desire of his heart is, I want another kidney. I want to really get back on my feet and do the things I used to do. And I can look out over the congregation and see person after person after person that in some sense of the word is living on the brink, as it were. You're living on the edge. And the thing that troubles us is that, is that we're concerned about what might happen tomorrow or a week from now or a month from now. And I'm telling you, we don't have a clue what's going to happen. You might think you've got it all figured out in your mind, and yet all of a sudden you get the news like that precious family when they learned of their loved one being killed in that accident yesterday. How horrible and terrible that is. According to your faith, be it unto you. There's peace in knowing that God's not going to fail to keep His promise. Just knowing who the speaker is here. This is not some just some preacher. This is not just a miracle worker. This is the Lord Jesus Christ that's speaking this. And I'll tell you, we don't give enough credit to God. We really don't. Because if we did, we would have complete confidence in Him for absolutely everything in life. Too many people say, well, you know, you've heard someone say it, no doubt. Well, seeing is believing. I've got to see it before I'm going to believe it. Well, the Bible tells us that's not right. The Bible tells us believing is seeing. Hebrews 11.1 1 makes that perfectly clear. It's in our believing that we're able to see. What are we able to see? We're able to see the invisible for one thing. We can see those things that have not happened, those things that are going to happen. And in this story, we see it was literally true. Before they could see, they had to believe physically. And the same thing's true in our life. You see, our trust in Him brings His touch, and His touch brings a transformation into our life. Notice, He touched what? Their eyes, not their wallet. Amen. Yeah, right. Amen. He didn't wallet. He, he didn't do that. They need their money. That's not a concern. He didn't touch their mind to make them smarter. Well, I know you're blind, but I want to touch your mind. You'll be a you'll be an intellectual after this. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't say, I'm going to touch your hands and I'm going to make you stronger. I'm going to touch your feet. I'm going to make you swifter. He touched them in the place where their need was. He touched them at their point of need. And that's exactly what God wants to do for you this morning. Maybe maybe you came to church this morning and you already had your mind made up what you wanted to get out of it. You was going to hope God would do this or God would do that. And it just might be that God's looking far beyond, you know, what you think you need. Brother Scott, you know, if, if the Lord just spoke said, okay, 
Scott, what do you want me to give you? Well, kidneys on my short list, Lord. You know, you know, I want a kidney, and uh, God, no doubt, has you know, He, he can do that. Amen? Amen. But it just might be there's some other need that God puts ahead of that. Are you with me? Am I making sense? You think you know what you need, and you don't sometimes. Because God knows there's something else that is a greater need in your life. And with these fellows, he said, uh, according to your faith. You see, the real problem, the real hindrance was their lack of trust in the Lord. So I ask you this morning, what is your need? What is your need? He touched them at their point of need, but what is your need? And for you, it might be salvation for your soul. It might be that it for you is healing for your body. Don't rule God out. Amen? If He made us, He can certainly heal us. For you, it might be settling a domestic dispute that could literally save your marriage. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God would do that for someone this morning? It might be the return of a wayward child. There's some of us here that knows what it's like to stay up all night wondering where a wayward child is and to walk the streets and knock on doors saying, have you seen, have you seen this person? Some of us know what that's like and it's not fun. It's hard to get through that, but what a joy it is whenever God meets you at your point of need and He brings that wayward child back home. Your it might be the restoration of a relationship that has fallen apart. It might be the ability for you to get through the death of the person that means the most to you, your dearest loved one. We all do at times wonder, what in the world would I do if my, my spouse, my husband or my wife, what, what would I do if, if they suddenly died? How, how could I survive? And you're thinking now, well, I don't need to worry about that. No, but you might someday. And you're going to need something to get you through what might be the worst day of your life. And God can do it. It for you might be the hope that will lift you up out of a horrible pit of depression that you've been in for so long. For you, it might be the strength to resist some temptation in your life. It might be peace for a troubled heart or the courage to face a challenge or, or joy that has eluded you for years. You see all of the other Christians and they're happy and they're shouting and they're thrilled at the Lord. And, boy, there's just something missing in your life. There's no joy there. And as Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you haven't had that joy maybe in many years. I want you to know I know somebody that can restore that joy this morning. It for you might be the, the power that you need to forgive and to love your enemies. 
the patience you need to endure some trial. Look, that list can go on and on and on. We could talk about all of the probabilities and the possibilities and what have you. And it might be that I haven't mentioned anything here that's on your list. I mean, you're looking and you're thinking, well, boy, you missed me, Brother Stone. Well, it might not be on my list, but it's on his. He already knows what your it is. He knows what your great need in life is. Whenever you look at this chapter, Matthew chapter 9, you look at this one chapter alone, and you see it deals with the needs of many people that had various problems. You go back to the very beginning, and there's a man with palsy. The next person you, you find is a, is a dead daughter. Then there's a woman with an issue of blood, and then the two blind men, and then there's a dumb man that is possessed with the devil. But look at verse number 35, where there in verse number 35, it tells us that he went about all of the cities, not just some, all of the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, notice, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. It's kind, of, it's kind of like the Lord, you know, coming down to this point in time saying, look, in case, in case I haven't mentioned what your particular need is, I want you to know it really doesn't matter what the problem is. And these things are recorded at least for three reasons. First of all, they're recorded to counsel us concerning our Master and the fact that there is healing. Secondly, they comfort us in our misery by showing us there is hope. And thirdly, they challenge us in our ministry by showing that there is help. I don't know how in the world I could stand up here and preach if I knew that it was of no benefit to, to anybody. What, what, what good would that do? But I'm so glad when I open this old black book I hold in my hand and I begin to tell you what's in it, I know that it'll help you at your point of need. But according to your faith, be it unto you. It's all a matter of whether you're willing to trust Him or not. Have you trusted Him for the salvation of your soul? Are you trusting Him for the needs of your life, whatever they are? You say, Lord, I don't understand this. I'm not asking you to explain it. I just need help, Lord. I just need help. Why don't you bring that to Him this morning? He's got big shoulders and just put it all over on God. Casting all of your care upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. He really does. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for caring for us when, when sometimes we really don't even care for ourselves. And sometimes it might seem that nobody else maybe really cares about whatever our particular need is. But we know, Lord, there's never a time, never a second. And Lord, help us to not be confused whenever we don't receive what we, what we think we ought to get, but rather help us, Lord, to just 
trust you, knowing that if you don't give us what we have requested, that you've got a better plan in mind. You've got something better for us. And I pray this morning, Lord, that we'll take all of the shackles of doubt off and that we'll free ourselves, as it were, to trust you and stop putting limitations on what you want to do in our life. Pray that you'll save that soul, that person that's been struggling now for so many years and wondering how it is that they can, that they can have assurance of heaven. They've heard others talk about it and they wonder if it could really ever be a reality in their life. Lord, may you speak to their heart this morning. And Lord, for your people, those that are struggling with great needs in their life, needs that can't be met any other way, God, help our unbelief. Help us, Heavenly Father, by way of your Holy Spirit and to strengthen our faith that we might put our trust in you for whatever our particular need is. For we ask it all in Jesus' name, and we seek only his glory in all of it. Amen. While we stand as we sing together, would you come this morning? Bring your need to the Lord.